The following Dharma Talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. Yeah, I've been um, a community member at Common Ground, I think, for the last maybe 10 years. Um, I do co-facilitate People of Color group on Thursdays. And I benefited from Common Ground Dharma Leadership Training. So much about me. Um, Anyway, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to really talk about practice. Nothing fancy, but just the basics of practice. And when we were talking about this, we said... We don't want this to be really a talk. It's more of an exploration. So it would not be one-sided. We like your participation. We're going to say a few words um, and then open it up and do some dyads and then come back and then reflect some more and do Q&A. How does that sound? If you don't like it, you know, say something. <laughs> yeah, Meski um, is one of the graduates, as she mentioned, from the Common Ground's recent, I guess you graduated almost eight months ago now. So our inaugural cohort of the Dharma Leadership Training. It's the first time we've done something like this. And Meski was a part of the small group. And Sarah Wilson, raise your hand a little, Sarah, right there. And Stacy McClendon right here. And I thought I saw Roseanne come in. Did she come in? Maybe she came in and left. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll be seeing more of these wonderful Dharma leaders and teachers. Stacy will be teaching with me next Wednesday, and Sarah will be teaching in January. And Roseanne just led a, a workshop, a writing workshop. And Femi Akinabe, who is here quite often on Wednesday nights, um, has taught some yoga. And we'll do some other things. He's in uh, medical school right now, so his schedule is a little more limited. And Yeah, Cecilia Ramon is another graduate, and she'll be here sometime doing some stuff. So keep, keep um, a watch out for new Dharma voices on the scene. It's really great to um, be teaching with all of these wonderful people. So I'm glad Meski's here tonight. Meski and I are both really interested in uh, practical applications of the Dhamma. So how, really how our practice manifests or uh, how our practice guides us in and through our lives in all of the things that we, all of the ordinary things that we do with our lives, like go to work and hang out with friends and participate in social circles and engage in this kind of activism or something else, another kind of engagement, how we are with strangers at the grocery store and on the bus and, you know, all of these really ordinary ways. Like, and I think we would probably both say something about how our practice is, you know, if it's not useful in these ordinary areas of our life, then what good is it to us? Yeah. I was 
recently uh, with a family member who just got a significant uh, health diagnosis. And my partner and I were visiting for about a week. And I was really, you know, in preparation for this talk and just really interested in how my practice was useful to me in moments like this with this person. I was just reflecting on what was happening there for me and doing the best that I could to stay with the movement of my heart, to um, be continuous, as continuous in my awareness and responsive both to my own needs and the needs of my family and just with a lot of curiosity about what, what is this all about, this human condition, this connectedness, especially in times of difficulty. And I was watching my heart just do what it does in moments of difficulty, like not really want to go there, like, oh, I don't really want to know how this person is suffering or how I am suffering or how my family is suffering. I kind of don't want, you know, I really want to have a little distance, kind of watching the heart go, oh, but I don't want to know that. And then watching the heart go like, well, what else is there? You know, if you don't want to know that, then what other options do you have? You can deny what's actually happening. Well, that doesn't really work. It won't work then I won't be present with my family the way I want to be. I won't be authentic. I won't know what's moving in my heart. I could use some distraction. I could turn on the TV. I watch my mind do that, like, oh, that would be a good idea. Let's watch something. Anything will do. The news, whatever's on, anything to not be here. Let me go and play with the dog, have a little reprieve from this moment. And how natural that was for this heart to kind of do that. And how liberating it was actually to watch it and to not feel so afflicted by what it was doing. Like, oh, this is really normal for this human being and other human beings to relate to difficulty in these ways. To kind of want to be there and not want to be there how hard it is to watch someone else struggle and feel helpless, not know what to do. And all of these old patterns that we have, these patterns of denial or deflection or um, distraction, it's like this heart could see that they were all doing, when, when this heart was curious, when this mind was curious about what was happening and not you know, like I said, so afflicted by these patterns that were coming and going, it really seemed like they were moving on a superficial level. Like there was something beneath that that was more sustaining, something that was more reliable, something that allowed all of this to come and go, this movement to be there. The sorrow, the fear, the frustration of not being in control, You know, those habits that have arisen naturally in this 
deeper wisdom that understood like, oh, these are just habits of the heart and mind that are here lawfully, that manifest like this, that I don't actually have to take that personally. But there's something more sustaining underneath it all that allows me to be with it. And in moments really open to pain, dukkha, sorrow, sadness, grief, whatever was there. And so reflecting on what that faith, what is that sustaining force in my life, and how I have learned to rely on practice in moments like this, and what the practice teaches me about, or has taught me over the years that I've been practicing about how to show up like this. And so I started to reflect on the refuges. And it wasn't even something that I was doing on purpose. It was just something that was happening. What is this sustaining force that allows me to be in the middle of all of this difficulty, all of this dukkha, all of this not knowing, and be with it? What allowed me to watch that frustration arise and not actually go and turn the TV on even though I thought about doing that? What allowed me to feel into like, oh, I don't want this person to be in this much pain, but allowed me to be right there with her and go, oh, yeah, but I care. I want, I actually want to be with this person in this difficulty. And so this faith that is born, for me, this confidence that is built or born in moments, moment after moment after moment of practice over time, is true for all of us. With these moments of connecting, of being able to be with the truth of our lives, it just allows us to do it again. It allows that confidence to be there to actually be with the next moment, the beautiful moment, the difficult moment, the moment that's just ordinary. It seems like nothing's going on, nothing's happening. So this confidence that it makes sense to actually be, for our hearts to be open. And the Buddha, you know, we learned in the teachings that there are three, three worthwhile refuges taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in the Dhamma, and taking refuge in the Sangha. And this capacity to take refuge in the Buddha is really this trustworthy source of awareness. And in some ways, it's some trustworthy source of, of, our, of ourselves that it is possible for us to be aware, to meet the moment, to not have to run away, to not have to rely on all of those habits that will be there for us, all of these superficial habits. And then the refuge of Dhamma allows us to see the truth, right? Taking refuge in the actual truth, to not have to pretend that this difficulty is not here to not have to pretend that the heart isn't feeling sad or 
isn't feeling conflicted, to, to not have to pretend that we're stronger than we are in some moments. And then this refuge of Sangha, Tara Brock calls this a refuge of love. So it's really being able to rely on each other and know that that's where healing happens in our capacity to be connected, to stay connected, to support each other, to be a community, to find ways to rely on each other and be reliable for each other. Trusting that moments that life is going to be difficult for all of us at times and our capacity to stay connected and support each other through those difficult moments are really important. So taking refuge, this sustaining force below these superficial habits of heart and mind that we all have, is what I felt like I was tapping into over the week with my family. And taking refuge is really remembering the most important thing. And we can all do this, and probably often do this, throughout our days, like, okay, let me reorient to what the most important thing is. I think I'm getting caught up right now in some frustration, some anger, something frivolous. Maybe I'm getting swept away. I mean, we probably catch ourselves doing this. I know I catch myself doing this. Like the mind gets, starts to chew on something and feel some self-righteous anger, frustration about, you know, what somebody's not doing right or how this organization isn't really supporting the people that I think it should be or how my family is not really doing what they should be doing. Get swept away by that and then go like, okay, sweetie, is this really that important? And remind myself, okay, it's not. What's the most important thing? Oh, the most important thing is taking care of this heart in relationship with other hearts. So really stopping, using my awareness practice to go, oh, what's happening here? Okay, this heart is feeling some self-righteous anger. That's taking refuge in Buddha. Awareness of something, the truth, self-righteous anger. This is the way it is in this heart for now. And what is needed right now? What kind of support is needed? How is there anything that could be offered that might Support, it's letting go. It's not clinging. So taking refuge in the most important thing or remembering the most important thing really allows us to see the possibility of letting go. Like, oh, it doesn't make sense to cling to these superficial habits. It doesn't make sense to hang on to this self-righteous anger. It's not going to help. What about using awareness practice, using my mindfulness practice to connect, know, and let go? Right? Because this is more important to me. There's this short and great poem that I appreciate from Hafiz. How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened.
I think I'll pause and pass it over to Meski. I uh, went on retreat, which I really look forward to every year. This last retreat, um, I was dying to get there before I really got to there. Um, so a 10-day retreat in September. And this trying to, like, I, I don't know what I was trying to manage, so many things. It was so busy at work, so on and so forth. September is coming, and I'm going to get my fix. It's going to be so much better. Like, then, with, can't wait. Even though I've been in enough retreats to know, does not always go as planned. Um, and maybe because I put way too much, like, agenda to get better, to heal, to get a break. <clears throat> this entire organism was shut down. It's like, I want to be here. I hate this. Why do I practice? What the hell is this? The whole time. <laughs> Ten days. <laughs> Sincerely, it was like, wow, my goodness. Um, and then I really always try to scare myself. Um, what if it is your last day? Is this really how you want to go out? That normally tries to get me back to be like, okay, so you could just be okay with this. It did not work. You die, you die. I don't want to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Your problem. Um, so, it really made me kind of, I, just, I didn't have a choice but to pay attention. And when, and Mark were teaching together, and when was really amazing. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. She's like, Keep in the body, just keep in the body, just keep breathing. I've done this enough times, but I breathe and I'm like, so tight, so tight. Okay, you can still be, you know this, you know how to do this. You can still be in the body, like, it's nothing else. If you've been here before, you can do this. Anyway, I was giving myself a pet talk the whole time. Um, and the only thing I would say that kind of moved me out of that energy was knowing it's going to end. I don't know when, but it's going to end. It's like, you know, it has, several things that have been there before has ended. So that was helpful. And like, if I didn't really die here, it's going to end, and we'll see. And it, it really stayed for several weeks. But... In that process, most of the time, you know, like when you really think that you had a good retreat, it turns out a different way. But most of the time, I get like some teaching. While I was in that retreat, I'm like, there was no teaching on this one except just, you know, all this. Not liking. Um, so what's coming up for me 
since that retreat and beginning of, you know, before I went to retreat is if the practice is not actually going to deliver in the moment, if all what I have collected is not helpful for me to show up, I actually need to stop practicing and just hang out freely, like, you know, do nothing or whatever it is, like, but you can not also turn off your awareness, like, you need to be trying to be like, okay, you're searching, you're doing this, how's that working out for you? I still keep asking, I found myself trying, um, in this Cyber Monday situation for <laughs> something that I do not need. I do not need, and I know that so clearly, I don't need it. However, it was such a good deal. I got an iPad. What do you know? <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, you really don't need this. You know that, right? I say, yeah, you don't need it, but you know what? Your eyes are going down instead of reading on your book. You could just use that. It's all good. And I am saying, Are trying to manage something. Well, it's really okay to buy an iPad. It's no big deal. What the hell? You have the money? Fine. But like in the long run, the computer I bought broke. Nothing happened. It didn't really change my life. You know, the last iPhone didn't really deliver. <laughs> Nice, but didn't do that much. So I've been reflecting in this continuous and constant search that is there all the time. It just does not end really in material things. But in practice, I am literally must be practicing to get somewhere. Which was why the body was shutting down and saying, like, yo, I don't want to deal with this. Um, so I want to practice because it's fun, not because it should deliver something. I don't want to come to common ground because I had such a bad day and I need to hear Mark, so you can, you can fix it. I really have done that the first year or so. Like, you tell me something that would fix this unease that I'm feeling. But I've been there so much. I've been burning it so much. It's like I've been doing the green thing over and over and over again. And that's kind of heartbreaking. Um, one of the things in this craving that shows up in different manifestations could be craving for new experiences the source of that craving is our not liking the unpleasant experience 
you don't like them, it's not fun, they're knee pain, whatever. This person that I don't want to deal with. So this cold, unpleasant feeling, we are trying to get away from that and trying to actually get somewhere better, a little bit better than this. It's like when I get off work or this conversation ends or when this talk ends, and this one's true. Well, <laughs> it would get better. And then, and, and at times, it really does. I mean, when I have a bad day, I usually have wine and chocolate, and it fixes it for a little bit. <laughs> it does. But then the dependency continues. It really, really doesn't fix things because that uneasiness that I was talking about is still there. Only temporary. There's a whole different experience of trying to get to the new thing, to the best thing, but that is neglected. Because 95% of our life is just neutral and we just don't want to be there. We want to just check out, do something else. So, is it okay just to show up and not actually look for something else? Not because somebody told us, but because we've been really burned before and we have seen it. We have seen it. I think I want to really try to stay out of dependency, even practicing to fix something. That's ultimately not necessarily like, I'm going to get here when I get enlightened, but I just want to be okay with what is showing up and just be. Even if it sucks, like the retreat, you know, I could still be here. I think I, I could be here and I don't really have to look for anything else. Because in this conditioned phenomena, nothing fully delivers eternally. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Let me go over some questions. So before you even go there, if there are reflections, questions, I don't know where we are in time. I'll open it up for all of you. Thank you. I jotted a few notes as you were talking. Um, It's really hitting home for me. A big part of what I've dealt with throughout my life and still deal with is uh, trauma, childhood trauma. And you mentioned the three refuges. And uh, I've been involved in the practice for close to 20 years now. And I found the three refuges as three ways to escape, three ways to hide. Because it was, boy, look at all this voluminous material I can read, and there's so much to know, and I can just put myself into this, and this is my new hobby. This is my new thing. I'll become a Buddhist, and eventually this will cure me. And then I would use meditation itself as a way of uh, kind of being a traffic cop, I'd sit there, and when the 
difficult emotions would come up, memories. I'd say, okay, back to the breath here. Follow the breath. Push that bad memory through. You know, follow the breath for a little while. And it took a while of just working with this, practicing on my own and getting guidance from other people who were very wise that I finally had the courage to just let that ugly stuff be there and sit with it as long as it needed to stay. And then rather than pushing it away, you know, it was like we let go together. Uh, So, I don't know, trauma isn't what happens to you. Trauma is the way you react to the world around you in a way that is not the real you. So this, this practice has helped me find that. Thank you. Say your name for me one more time. Ken. Ken. Thank you, Ken, for bringing that into the room for us. Yeah. And statistically, we've probably, most of us in the room have experienced some kind of trauma in our lives. And so often what we hear, you know, I think Ken's experience is certainly something I can relate to and probably many others that we don't know the kind of false refuge that we're holding on to until we learn how to work work with it or until we learn how to see it, right? So we can often use our practice to, we can use our practice to avoid uh, some of the difficulties are in our, that are moving in our heart. We can also use our practice to try to force our way through them, and neither of them are going to work that well. We'll eventually see that. But we have to have a lot of reverence for the experiences of our lives and all the patterns that have manifested as a result. Right? So all of the things that we don't like about ourselves, the anxiety, the quick to get angry, the blaming habits or the judgmental habits or, you know, all the things that we might be able to rattle off. Each of us would probably be our own worst critics and we'd probably be able to rattle off a long list of things we don't like about ourselves, about the things we see in our minds and hearts. But we have to have those, like, really accept those with a lot of honor and reverence for the natural way that they have come about and not try to force our way through them or force them out, but really start to see them, Buddha, who knows the truth, Buddha, who knows Buddha, knows Dhamma, right? Our awareness practice can see the truth of this habit and the heart that can see that in the right, with the right, kind of distance because sometimes in order to be with the pain that's moving in our hearts we need to be creative and we might need to take a step back we might not need sitting practice might be the absolute worst medicine right maybe it's connecting in community and talking to others maybe that's the right medicine therapy 12-step programs one of the reasons why these programs are useful is because 
there's this healing power of connection that's built right in there. So we might need to get creative and, you know, find the right distance of which we can be with this difficulty in our lives. And that's how Buddha knows Dhamma, with this kind of distance and with the support of other people and with the right combination and uh, degree and dose of that medicine, then healing starts to happen. So whatever came up or any questions or reflections, we do have 10 minutes. So um, that's come up for me in my practice, and I think this question about what I hope for and what I shared is that um, I really hope to become an, a kinder person. And uh, I was sharing that I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and what's really painful about children is that they have... Um, is my reaction to them, really. So she, she's sitting across from me at dinner. She's three, you know... I just think about her day. She's whining and just sorry for the backstory. She hasn't pooped in three days. So she's trying to eat. Right. I mean, yeah. I, right. So she's just like over her dinner. Like, Oh, she's like, mommy, feed me like a baby. And, and my wife, you know, like just where you need to feed yourself, you know, then I'm across the table and I'm like, God, that sucks. Yeah. I'll feed you like a baby. You know, but, like, just that moment of, like, violence that my heart, your heart has to children, especially, like, you know better, do better, think better. You know, like, just that impulse of, like, feed your damn self. Like, what the fuck, man? You know, like, there's just, but that's an iteration of uh, f- failure to have compassion for everybody that I am, you know, in relationship with at, at some point, but... It's just the painful part about children is to just how it like illuminated back to me like oh my god like just feed the, you know feed her like a baby for God's sakes like but right I mean all of us right now are judging me like <laughs> you know she's gonna be twenty one and living in your basement lady you know but but that's really like the practice like that's the moment right like can can i just like in that just one sliver of a moment have just enough attention to not spew that that dukkha my own heart tension of like my expectations about what need to happen right then and just like what was needed right then right she just was in her own 3 year old ability to communicate was asking for somebody to feed her like that's just where she was at so that was my practice tonight. Hi, I'm Amanda. This was my first Wednesday group that I've done since uh, I started in August. It was wonderful. Thank you. Um, so I started a journey, I guess, about a year and a half ago, and it, it kind of ultimately led me back to a, a practice that I had over a decade ago when I was in the military um, and going through some traumatic experiences associated with that. Um, but what I found was I've always been sort of a bit of a migrant. My family was in the military, and we moved frequently, and I, I found myself recognizing my own patterns of 
behavior that were destructive to my ability to find and sustain relationship with individuals around me. Um, very affiliated with my trauma, um, very affiliated like it is for most of us, the way that we relate to the world, um, with the experiences that I had as a younger person. And, um, it was, it was interesting to me that it took me a while of recognizing like, oh, I can't keep pushing this down. Um, the story, I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting your name that you shared really was very powerful for me. I appreciate that vulnerability you shared because, That's kind of where I've been um, over the last year and a half or so is trying for the first time in my life to to like not look away or push it down. Um, And so ultimately, like I came to back to this practice to to find the tools to do that. And so why I'm here, it's interesting when we think about craving, I've been um, just over the past three months that I've been practicing, I've been craving to feel that pain and what's interesting is now I can't find it (laughs) um it's very it's just odd the way that it's worked out that way because you know I feel like we get these cycles of pain um associated with our trauma and I've just I've been craving it and thus I think not finding it and so um I'm not sure I'm early in my practice again just like three months or three and a half months or so uh so that's something that I'm interested in trying to figure out, like, how do I let go enough that when it does arise, I'm just naturally ready for it. And when it doesn't, I can, I can just enjoy the peace, I guess. Um, and then also to, to find relationship and to make myself a more skillful, kind, compassionate person um, who can relate to one another in a way, in other hearts and can thus deepen my relationship and build true community with, with others. So that's my share. Thank you. I'm Jack Forsman. This is also my first Wednesday night. Usually, been going to the Sunday nights, and I, I like this group session. This is this has been cool. Um, one of the things I thought of, if you don't mind, if I comment on your story, um, just one of the things that's come from my practice is a lot of times. I mean, we judge other people, but we also judge ourselves, and I'll notice where I'm like beating myself up for maybe hating on this toddler because they won't feed themselves. And um, I'll kind of come to a place where I'm like, wow, I'm going to just assume like this is just human stuff, like me getting frustrated with a kid. And that's totally cool. Like I can hate a kid, but at the same time, I can also love that kid. And it's just having empathy for myself but also that's helped me to expand that to other people more. Um, and that's just something that's, I feel like, cultivated naturally and I, not something I expected, but just more empathy for myself. And Yeah, yeah that was sort of what I was pointing to with the honoring our habits, right? Because every 
hatred, anger, these are human emotions. They're not Shelley's emotions, right? Or Jack, right? Yeah. Jack's emotions. Or Becca's emotions, right? These are just normal human experiences. So if we learn to understand them as such, then we don't have to be take them so personally. Like, oh yeah, this human being is experiencing anger. This human being is experiencing hatred. When we can learn to be mindful of them and not take them so personally, we can also learn that they, like Meski has said, everything comes and goes. So if everything comes and goes, then we just watch it come and we watch it pass away and we don't have to be bound to reacting to it. Because that's where we get caught as human beings, right? Thinking that our only strategy is to force the child to eat or do something about this anger, right? Blame somebody else for it or make something change, control something so that we feel better. But our practice really calls us to use our tools of finding the right distance, the right way, the right, you know, the how of being with it. And that's how we start to heal, find some relaxation with all of these uh, habits that will cycle through our hearts. I know it's time. I just want to say something. One, add one thing. Um, I really do aspire to be kind, but that has gone out of the window. I am not kind. I know that. Sometimes I am, but most of the time I'm not. And Oh, for reals. And I, I'm okay with it. My husband would tell me, why are you so mean, man? What? I'm like, somebody got to be mean. And today, that's who is showing up. And, and so we, all, we always, he's like, oh. And, or if I'm like, what do you want at work? And he would tell me, oh, baby, did the horses get to you? Um, I work for a bank, so with a horse and carriage. <laughs> so it's, it's so okay that when I'm not kind, I really want to just feel it at the moment. And just kind of say, wow, who is showing up today? But, but not to aspire, like, oh, my God, I need to be kind. I'm like, I have given that up because try, 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 not getting there. So, And I, there are some days I'm really kind. So it's so nice to really, it's like, I think it would be boring to be kind all the time. That's just me. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.